You're listening to the Crazy Mad Podcaster. I'm comedian Ricky Cole. What's up, everyone? How you doing out there? Thanks for listening to my crazy show. Let me see. John Lemon got fired the other day. CNN showed how racist their CEOs are by setting them up. And the president, he's running for his second term against Donald J. Trump and Ron DeSantis. To this interview, and I come back on the other side and talk about Joe Biden running for president with Kamala Harris, uh, which um, I'm not a big fan, but he's the old spare tire that is reliable. That's it, you know. If he make he makes rich oil men and, and billionaires happy, that he's not going to be too given to poor people. He knows how to give just enough, but not too much to to um, to give away all the story. You know what I'm saying? And. Um, uh, this this is the world we live in, man. This, how can we uh, how can we fight it? I, I you know I'm I'm right now I'm trying to be nice because I'm gonna curse you out on the Crazy Mad Podcaster show, and I'm going to continue to curse people out who are stupid because there's a lot of stupid people voting against their interests. Now listen to this interview. Study it only after their Second Amendment uh, rights have, were secured. They That's were not secured their freedoms after the Civil War. That is not, you're, you are discounting uh, uh, Reconstruction, you're discounting a whole host of things that happened after the Civil War when it comes to African Americans, including the whole reason that the Civil Rights Movement happened is because black people did not secure their freedoms after the Civil War, and that things turned around. People were, tried to change the freedoms that were supposed and to And you know, the part that I find insulting is when you say today black Americans don't have those rights after we have the gone through Civil Rights Revolution in this country. You are sitting here telling an African-American about the rights and what you find insulting about the, the, the way I live, the skin I live in every day. Here's and where I you and I have the a freedom point of black view. and white that black people don't have in this here, country here. and that black people do have. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you should say that again. You can say that again. I don't know what's going on over at CNN, but they really showed their true colors when they fired him. Okay, the man was defending black people. You don't go on somebody's show and tell them, oh, nigga, I know more about you than you know about yourself. I know how Don feel listening to white people telling black people about their history. You don't know our history. You, 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 oh, wait a minute, hold on, I take that back. You know it, but you think you don't want us to know you know the truth. That's what it is. I've seen that before. I've seen it. And after I listened to that interview, I said, wait a minute. There was an interview back in the 1960s when the civil rights movement was going on. White people were telling black people how sorry they were. Yeah. Um, CBS has it in their archives. They They buried that shit in the basement. But people need to listen to it. I, I got to let you listen to how white folks really think about us. That, that's that's the only reason that dude was talking stupid on CNN that morning. That got Don Lemon fired because he was like, wait a fucking minute. Are you fucking kidding me? 
Are you fucking kidding me? It was a setup. I, I still think it was a setup. I think they did that to get rid of him. I really do because <sighs> your racism is showing. Listen to this shit. Geralt and Al Walker of CBS News. Here is Charles Geralt. Good evening. Tonight, CBS News takes a deep breath and plunges into a pool of statistics. Six earlier broadcasts of this series of Black America have delineated the race crisis in pictures and words. This seventh and final broadcast steps back and views this most central crisis from a distance. Someone once said that sooner or later, all words decay into imprecision. So do pictures. No one who's had a television set in America needs a primer on race relations. The films of violence come night after night. So does the rhetoric about law and order and justice. This is the fifth summer of violence. And by now, both words and pictures seem worn out. For this reason, and with the hope that scientific discipline might be of use, CBS News commissioned a poll which attempted to measure racial attitudes in the United States statistically. What we were after was the answer to a few basic questions. How much white racism is there in the American people? Are the black extremists the people to whom the blacks look for leadership? How do the races feel about each other? These are questions about which people have strong hunches but little knowledge. For this reason, we ask you to listen to figures, numbers, percentages, at the least, this is a calm way to understand what is happening to this country. Before we go to our findings, a few words about polls. My colleague, Hal Walker. The CBS News poll was conducted between May 22nd and June 16th of this year. This was the period when the Poor People's March was in Washington, if your memory needs a checkpoint. The Opinion Research Corporation, commissioned by CBS News, conducted personal interviews with a nationwide sample of whites and blacks. Whites asked questions of whites, black people interviewed blacks. The survey is based on a sample of a thousand people. Like most surveys of this kind, the figures we report are accurate to within a few percentage points, and they reflect the general feeling across the country. Our poll is quite different from a political poll. People change their minds very quickly about candidates and issues. But on basic issues involving race, minds change slowly. On attitudes toward race tension, the CBS News poll checks out with earlier surveys on the same subject. A great deal of the supposed dialogue going on between the races has become monologue. Say race relations to most white people and they want to talk about riots. Say race relations to most black people and they want to talk about discrimination or white racism. There are two great fears haunting this nation. White people fear something they call black extremism. Black people fear something they call white racism. The balance of this broadcast addresses itself to these two fears and to some common ground we found between the races. We're going to measure white racism first, black extremism second, and then we'll talk about some hopeful signs in the common ground. First, the extremes. First the measure of what the black community fears most, opposition to equal rights for Negroes, prejudice, and racism, defined generally as an assumption of superiority and discrimination with overtones of hostility. Hal Walker discusses this extreme in the American mind. We begin with white attitudes that underline the racial problem. 
The white of today is being asked to answer for history. This Midwestern housewife, like a lot of white Americans, does not think the Negro should present history's bill to her. We hear so much about the slavery. 300 years ago, our grandfathers were slaves, or 200 years ago, our grandfathers were slaves. Well, for God's sakes, did we have anything to do with that? I had no part in it. I had no slaves. My folks didn't. My grandparents didn't. Are they blaming us for what happened three years ago? Let's forget the past. Think of the future. Build up the future. And why keep hemming and hawing over the same thing over and over and over again? And they say, you must give me land because my grandfather was a slave. Well, then I would say, for God's sakes, find the man who had your grandfather as a slave and then demand the land from him. Don't bother me because I had no part of it. Few people would be willing to make amends for the actions of ancestors they never knew, for evils committed long before their time. So our survey is about people who are here today. Across the country, we asked whites whether the main reason Negroes had not made more progress was because of racial discrimination or because Negroes have not worked hard enough. This lawyer expressed a view we heard most often. We find there is a reluctance to pile apart of too many Negroes, particularly among the young to take the hard and remunerative jobs that must be necessary to earn a living. There is a feeling that for some reason somebody owes them a living. Just about half of whites in our survey said the Negro has not made more progress because he has not worked hard enough. Only 15% blames discrimination. Some had no opinion. I feel that they're basically uh, lazy when this summer, for example, opportunity was given to them to better themselves in getting as many jobs as possible uh, in various uh, fields of retail, uh, wholesale, and they don't take the full advantage of accepting the responsibility of going out for these jobs. They feel that they're not good enough for them. About half of whites agreed with this woman, that Negroes tend to be lazy more than whites. Black folks are lazy. Millions of white Americans think black people are lazy. And they still believe that today. But America is not a racist country. That's what Tim Scott said. I noticed the corporate media is not listening to black Americans. So you have to go and ask, well, you know, is America really racist, Kamala Harris? Um, or is America, you know, America not that racist? America's racist. It is. Because it was racist to act like it's not racist. And that's what we're dealing with. That's why 75 million people voted for Donald Trump. That's why the moderates in the country, supposed to be open-minded, is not responding the way they should to the problem of white supremacy. The Republican Party is trying to roll back the clock. And they know millions of Americans here don't give a fuck about minorities. They know that. They know that because they was taught to be hateful. You can hide it. You can act like it doesn't exist. But you have that prejudice in you. 
Just admit it. You don't give a fuck about black people, brown people, queer people. You just hate. You want to hate. You always got to have an enemy. That's why our country can't move forward. That's why Marsha Taylor Greene sits in the House of Representatives. That's why McCarthy playing games with the debt. That's why the insurrection happened on January the 6th because America doesn't have a, you know, America's not a racist country. Nah, but you might be right. So what is America then? Because, you know, I want to play the both sides game. Here on the Crazy Mad Podcast, I can do that. I'm tired of cursing you out, but I want to know why you're fucking so goddamn racist. So I'm doing a little bit more research. And this woman mentioned another charge against Negroes, that they have low morals. There are sex problems, let's face it now, um, how many white people have 10 illegitimate children? Very few, very few. Uh, this is uh, this seems to be uh, a trend with them. Uh, and I, I often wondered what happens to these here men who follow these children. Are they busy making babies elsewhere or are they busy in a civil rights march yelling for their civil rights? And four out of ten whites in our survey agreed that Negroes more than whites have low moral standards. However, half or more of whites disagree with some of the views you have just heard. For example, they reject the idea that Negroes are more likely than whites to have low morals. But for the moment, we're concentrating on attitudes opposed to racial integration. In Chicago, we talked with a group of whites who call themselves lower middle class. They are worried about Negroes moving into their neighborhood. And they are not responsible citizens. Until they live like we are, we don't want them. I don't want to live with me, to tell you the truth. Whether they take care of me or not, I don't want to live with them. Because they ran away from them. And if I wanted to live with them, I wouldn't be paying high taxes like I am. I would have stayed where I was. More than half of whites in our survey believe Negroes are more likely than whites to run down their own neighborhoods. In the South, they throw the garbage out of the window and the pigs come and eat it. Here they throw the garbage out of the window and no pigs come and eat it. In general, are Negroes as civilized as whites? 43% of whites said no, Negroes are not as civilized. It's his image that he's building. They act like savages, like animals. They kill each other, they rape, and they rob. There was a riot, but they wouldn't burn their own places. They had signs all over. Soul Brother. It made no difference. They robbed, raped, plundered, looted their own people. What about the way Negroes care for their children? About one quarter of whites say that Negroes are less likely than whites to take good care of their children. The colored woman does not take care of her child, does not help to educate this child. There's no problem about it. They're ADC. The more children they can have, the more money they get to go out and play the lottery. They get more money to go out and drink a little more gin. But to take care of their children, put a pair of shoes on them. I blame the mother for not educating her child when they're born, from the day they're born till the day they grow up. Lower intelligence. One out of four whites also believe Negro children are more likely to hold back the class. 
When you were in school, your mother made sure you did your homework before you went out. A colored child, if mother or father don't care if they ever do their homework. And I feel that this is why the white child is so much more superior to the colored. And not because the colored child doesn't want to learn. It's because there's nobody behind him pushing him. Lower intelligence. About one white in seven agrees that Negroes have lower intelligence at birth than whites. We're not all created equal. And as far as intelligence, uh, there is a little book called Breeding Down, and uh, it says in there where the, the colored is born with an IQ, not born, but it develops, to 80 plus, and the white is 90 and up. About half of whites polled said they do not think most fellow whites want the Negro to have equality. They don't desire an education of our type. They have different music. They have a different way of dressing. They have different schools or different uh, churches. Their religion is different. Everything is different. Sympathetic to the Negro, 38% of whites said they do not think other whites are sympathetic to the problems of the Negro. I don't want to help them. I don't want to help them. And I don't want them living next door to me for the simple reason that there might be a lot of nice ones, but I got four kids, and I don't want them growing up with colored next door to them. Because it's, it's a proven fact. They grow up, they think nothing of uh, each other, they play together. Pretty soon they're in their teens, they start dating, and pretty soon they're marrying. I don't want my kids marrying a colored person. We have just heard the views of a small group of whites who feel under great pressure from Negroes economically and socially. Some of what they believe is also believed by the majority of whites in this country. Other views they hold are not shared by the majority. For example, the white majority does not believe Negroes have less innate intelligence than whites or that Negroes have lower standards than whites when it comes to caring for their children and the ability of their children in school. We will hear more about these views of the white majority later in this broadcast. But it is significant that there is a minority, tens of millions of white Americans, who look at the Negro in an unfavorable way. There is no room in the Republican Party for anti-Semitism or white supremacy. And anyone meeting with people advocating that point of view, in my judgment, are highly unlikely to ever be elected president of the United States. After they gave Donald Trump the presidency, now, corporate media overlooked that. Donald Trump, he got defeated by Joe Biden. Mitch O'Connell, that motherfucker was silent for almost two weeks. Then when they hit him with the bullshit like this, he says, The Supreme Court has white supremacy on it. The Senate and his boys are all white supremacists, right? They stormed the Capitals, white supremacy did that. White supremacists booked Donald Trump in the White House, right? But there's no room in the Republican Party for white supremacy. Of course, there's no room. Y'all motherfuckers, full up. An independent journalist went down to Arizona and discovered not only there was white supremacists in the Republican Party, 
we found out the Republican Party is the white supremacy party. Check this out. Trump supporters, 100%. But it's not only those crazy militias. It's the politicians, too. So when Mitch O'Connell say there's no room in the Republican Party for racism, <laughs> I find that a joke. They're always going to find room for a little bit more racism. That's who they are. Save us from the IQ stupid people. <laughs> they may be smart, but they don't have any sense. Now you know who they are. They're all over Washington, D.C. These, these high IQ stupid people. And they're in charge. Uh, most of them are woke. Most of them are members of the berserk wing of the Democratic Party. They're in charge. And these high IQ stupid people have an answer for everything. You know why? Because they think they're smarter and more virtuous than the American people. These woke, high IQ stupid people, they're easy to recognize. Waking up and realizing the Republican Party is a clear and present danger to our country is not stupid. You're woke to the truth about America. See, America is racist. It is. And color don't have nothing to do with it. It's about power. And their stupid-ass Christian values. And they feel that they're superior. You know, that's what racist white fascists do. They got to make other people's lives live in hell for them to feel good. But at this point, it's not just Trump with the hugs and the sing-alongs for the Jan Sixers, which is, I guess, what we're calling them now. That attitude, you Sixers have been through too much. You've been wronged. Here's a pen. Whatever. That apologist, revisionist attitude appears to have infected the rest of the Republican Party. Last month, the highest-ranking Republican elected official in the country, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, conspired with a now-unemployed Fox News host to try and use congressional security camera footage in order to whitewash the events of that day. This week, Republicans in Montana voted to bar the state's lone transgender lawmaker, Representative Zoe Zephyr, from entering the statehouse chamber. And when a peaceful group of Zephyr supporters filled the public gallery at the statehouse chanting, let her speak, Montana Republicans accused Zephyr of encouraging an insurrection which is also what happened in Tennessee, where Republicans tried to expel three Democratic lawmakers for participating in an anti-gun violence protest at the Capitol. The Republican Speaker of the Tennessee House called that peaceful protest an insurrection. Earlier this month, peaceful protesters gathered outside of Minnesota State House to protest an anti-LGBTQ and anti-abortion legislation. Conservative commentators labeled that an insurrection as well.
When transgender rights activists flooded the Oklahoma State House back in February, it was Trump's oldest son, Don Jr., who took to social media and compared the demonstration to an insurrection. Republicans are now taking legitimate forms of peaceful protest, the kind we have seen in this country for decades, and using them to water down the definition of insurrection. Because if everything is an insurrection, then nothing is an insurrection, including January 6th. See how that works? And that's the truth. That's why they don't want us woke. Check out her show. Check out the independent um, um journalists, um, I think it was on Vice or somewhere out there, um, support independent journalism. You know, I just played that because um, I want you to listen to her segment. I'm not a big MSNBC fan because they can do better. And fuck CNN. Alright, um, I'll be right back with a little bit more of this show because I want you to listen to how racist the Republican foot soldiers, I call them, because once you get them guys brainwashed and ready to destroy America, they ready to go. That's why they lock and load it. That's why they love their guns. But it's the rich that is running the show. So we love looking down at them crazy boys who are running out to the border, grabbing their guns. Nah, man, you better look at the Cokes, the Mercers, their funders. Look what they've done to the Supreme Court. Later on in the show, we're going to talk about it. And Ted Cruz, yeah, he was down with that insurrection too. Wow. America, we have a Nazi problem. <laughs> it's the Republican White Nationalist Party. This is our nation, which we built. We are armed, we are free, and if you want our nation, you must take it from us. We are prepared. Thank you. See God. More than anyone else at the rally, J.T. Reddy embodies the link between white supremacist ideology and mainstream conservative politics. J.T. was a Republican precinct committeeman in Phoenix and a candidate for the Arizona House of Representatives. His writing appeared on mainstream conservative websites, and he regularly spoke at rallies with powerful Arizona political figures. J.T. is a former Marine and was also an early collaborator with the vigilante groups that patrol the Mexican border. They call themselves Minutemen, after the citizens' militias of the American Revolution. Here Reddy is in 2004 with Chris Simcox, the founder of the Minuteman Civil Defense Corps. Chris Simcox, founder of Civil Homeland Defense. JT Reddy, candidate for Arizona House. JT. <laughs> it's a goddamn shame that them little redneck motherfuckers are so goddamn hateful. They gotta hate something. Instead of the politicians that they fucking support, who's really making their lives a living shithole. No, it's the Mexicans. They got to protect their homeland. Boy, if only the Mexicans did that to the white man. Or no, just, just imagine the Indians stop the fucking pilgrims at the shores. Ooh. I mean, just get them down there and get them off them shores, man. It would have been great. <laughs> 
It's the Republican White Nationalist Party. This is our nation, which we built. We are armed, we are free, and if you want our nation, you must take it from us. We are prepared. That explains why the NRA is arming racist as white America. Right there. They ready to go to war for that crazy ideology in their head. Now, mainstream media can act like it's Democrats and Republicans, but we know that the Republican Party has a goal. They stole the Supreme Court. They rigged the game. They deregulated. They put crooks in the presidency for decades. They was moving their pieces for this moment. Now, if Joe Biden wins, what, he got two, two good years? After that, it's, he's a lame duck. They can ready to start campaigning again. We still got to deal with this same problem if we keep playing the both sides narrative. We're dealing with white supremacy, straight up fascist shit. You see what they're doing in those states. America's not a racist country. <laughs> the lies. The lies. And they want people to vote for lies. Not the truth. That's why they want you. That's why they want you. Sleep. That's it. They want you sleep to what they're doing to our country. If you lived through the four years of Donald Trump presidency, you, and you think that that man and that party represents you, you're gone. It's not about patriotism. It's about tribalism. They're tearing our country down like cancer to a body. And that cancer is hate, bigotry, taking people's rights away. Because they want to. And they can because they know the laws. They educated some of them. But they sleep. They sleep to the truth that they are the problem. So white America, if you vote Republican and you're wondering why your country is fucked up, you fucked it up. Simple as that. You've been fucking it up from day one. Every time black folks make a little progress, you fuck it up. Know your history. Wake the fuck up. Go out and support independent journalism. And listen to some damn seminars, please, about this country history. Because they want to sleep. The more you know, the more you know what we're up against. It's an old movement. And it's global. Listen to this professor. I'm going to play a little bit of her um, seminar. So you know. It's not just me calling y'all motherfuckers sick. White people doing it too. Who is woke. 
disparate and unequal by race, and white people are the beneficiaries of that separation and inequality. As a result, we are insulated from racial stress at the same time that we come to feel entitled to and deserving of our advantage. Given how seldom we experience racial discomfort in a society we dominate, we haven't had to build our racial stamina. Socialized into a deeply internalized sense of superiority that we either are unaware of or can never admit to ourselves, we become highly fragile in conversations about race. We consider a challenge to our racial worldviews as a challenge to our very identities as good moral people. Thus, we perceive any attempt to connect us to the system of racism as an unsettling and unfair moral offense. The smallest amount of racial stress is intolerable. The mere suggestion that being white has meaning often triggers a range of defensive responses. And these include emotions such as anger, fear, and guilt, and behaviors such as argumentation, silence, and withdrawal from the stress-inducing situation. These responses work to reinstate white equilibrium as they repel the challenge, return our racial comfort, and maintain our dominance within the racial hierarchy. I conceptualize this process as white fragility. Though white fragility is triggered by discomfort and anxiety, it is born of superiority and entitlement. White fragility is not weakness per se. In fact, it is a powerful means of white racial control and the protection of white advantage. In my early days uh, of work of what was then termed a diversity trainer, I was taken aback by how angry and defensive so many white people became at the suggestion that they were connected to racism in any way. The very idea that they would be required to attend a workshop on racism outraged them. They entered the room angry and made that feeling clear to us throughout the day as they slammed their notebooks down on the table, refused to participate in exercises, and argued against any and all points. I couldn't understand their resentment or disinterest in learning more about such a complex social dynamic as racism. These reactions were especially perplexing when there were few or no people of color in their workplace and they had the opportunity to learn from my co-facilitators of color. I assumed that in these circumstances, an educational workshop on racism would be appreciated. After all, didn't the lack of diversity indicate a problem or at least suggest that some perspectives were missing? Or that the participants might be undereducated about race because of scant cross-racial interactions? It took me several years to see beneath these reactions. Um, at first, I was intimidated by them, and they held me back and kept me careful and quiet. But over time, I began to see what lay beneath this anger and resistance to discuss race or listen to people of color. I observed consistent responses from a variety of participants. For example, many white participants who lived in white suburban neighborhoods and had no sustained relationships with people of color were absolutely certain that they held no racial prejudice or animosity. Other participants simplistic, simplistically reduced racism to a matter of nice people versus mean people. Most appeared to believe that racism ended in 1865 with the end of uh, enslavement. There was both knee-jerk defensiveness about any suggestion that being white had meaning and a refusal to acknowledge any advantage to being white. And over time, I began to see what I think of as the pillars of whiteness, the unexamined beliefs that prop up our racial responses. 
I could see the power of the belief that only bad people were racist, as well as how individualism allowed white people to exempt themselves from the forces of socialization. I could see how we are taught to think about racism only as discrete acts committed by individual people, rather than as a complex, interconnected system. And in light of so many white expressions of resentment toward people of color, I realized that we see ourselves as entitled to and deserving of more than people of color deserve. I saw our investment in a system that serves us. I also saw how hard we worked to deny all this and how defensive we became when these dynamics were named. In turn, I saw how our defensiveness maintained the racial status quo. Thanks to that professor, she answered some of my questions. You like denying the truth. That's it. You know what you're doing. Now that explains the politicians playing the games. That explains the media talking about racism, but looking for another reason. You know, oh, oh, America's not a, a racist country. ABC. Madam Vice President, is America a racist country? <laughs> you already know the answer. Yes. But you got to hear, no. She's going to sit there and feed you your comfort. Pill. No, America is a, is a great country. No one can achieve more here than the American people. We, if we only you, and you know, I'm tired of that bullshit. We got people arming themselves, militias got swastikas marching, and you're worried about Antifa. We got Laura Ingham still on TV. We got Hannity. We got Newsmax picking up the slack since Tucker gone. We have representatives being suspended out of state houses. They're passing laws to, to take away a birth control pill, an abortion pill. Women don't have rights. You think they're not coming after civil rights? Why the fuck you think Mitch O'Connell and that fucked up law, uh, Confederate Society law firm stacked the Supreme Court with a bunch of crooked-ass judges? Clarence Thomas been there since when? The 80s. Wake the fuck up, people. They've been playing us. They don't believe in no goddamn equality. We let Nazis in our country to fight the Cold War. Richard Nixon's cabinet was full of them. And they disguised themselves as Jews and Christians and Catholics. Christian nationalists. Marcy Taylor Greene is one. Bobert is one. McCarthy is a fucking crazy Nazi from California. You got an old cracker up there on stage talking about new dumb people are woke. <sighs> Donald Trump is still running for president. And he had the backing of 75 million people. 
and maybe 400,000 fools willing to hand their country over to fascists. Now, you think we're going to have a true democracy if you let him get his hands back on our government? I'm just being honest. I'm not going to fuss and I'm going to call your names. I just want to know, are you that goddamn stupid to hang your country? Because when you're on the bottom, you ain't got no, no, you can't fall no farther, okay? Black folks, brown folks, we know how to struggle. But do you? Do you? Because the rich is trying to take our country. They're in bed with those Russians to cover up all of this shit. Um, the, the not, basically ignoring January the 6th. Now the hammer's going to ready to fall, baby. It's going to hit that nail. It's going to hit it hard. And all hell going to break loose. Prepare yourselves. If you want to save this country, hell got to break loose. Antifa got to kick some fucking crackers, racist motherfuckers' asses. And people like Tim Scott, you can't run and hide neither, brother. Because you know what's going on. And you know you will never be president, but you letting them know whatever they want. Yes, sir. No, sir. Get off the sidewalk, boy. We have a choice. What type of America do you want? Tim Scott fantasy or the truth? Take the red pill. Stay in a la-la land. Take the green pill. Let's see how far the rabbit hole goes. I'll be right back with the closing of this crazy-ass show. America comes together. We've made tremendous progress. justice some 400 years in the making moves us you hate my skin so bad that you put physically touched me the dream of justice for all will be deferred no longer a monkey and you don't belong here and uh, kicking me a rise of political extremism <laughs> white supremacy what are you doing in this country domestic terrorism found a sticky note on her locker that read jews will burn that we must confront and we will defeat. 2,800 hate incidents against Asian Americans. To overcome these challenges. Three people walking outside the Charter Oak apartment saying the N-word. To restore the soul and secure the future of America. It's like, I don't even feel happy here or welcome here. Requires so much more than words. We don't you here. That's why we elected President Trump. Requires the most elusive of all things in a democracy. Racial slurs and derogatory comments made again and again. Unity. As I hear so many people say, this doesn't happen in Connecticut. Unity. 